Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. From KQD in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. Tax Day is coming up on Monday, and maybe, just maybe, you're looking for something, anything to do on the internet instead of compiling your expenses or tracking down W-2s. If you're looking for a rabbit hole to distract you, there's no better field for exploration than Wikipedia. And today, we bring you the very best rabbit hole finder on the whole of the internet, perhaps. Her name is Annie Rauwerda, and she runs the wildly popular social media juggernaut depths of Wikipedia. She joins us to share some of the strangest entries on the online collaborative encyclopedia. We'll learn some weird things, hear some of your favorite entries, and maybe even play a round of Wikispedia. It's Friday, and that's all coming up next. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. There is a period in the fossil record, around 18 and a half million to 25 million years ago, in which there are very few fossils of cats in North America. It's known as the cat gap. You might have learned that fact recently on social media if you're one of the more than 360,000 Twitter followers or 800,000 Instagram followers of Depths of Wikipedia, an account run by student Annie Rauwerda. From fart lightning to the lost state of West Sylvania, Depths of Wikipedia chronicles the weird and wonderful facts that have been compressed into pages on Wikipedia, the free online encyclopedia. There are 55,585,385 pages on Wikipedia, at least according to Wikipedia. And joining us now to share some of the very best is Annie Rauwerda, founder of Depths of Wikipedia, which according to the Depths of Wikipedia's own Wikipedia page, was inspired by a collage of excerpts from Wikipedia that she had made for a friend, Zine, and by a photograph from the Wikipedia article on cow tipping. Welcome to the show, Annie. Hi, thank you so much for having me. First, is that an accurate origin story for Depths of Wikipedia? That is an accurate origin story. Um, the source thing on that article, I, I watch it. I can't edit something about myself, but I've been watching it pretty closely. And so far, they've used the sources pretty well. And I think everything on there is true. Okay, that's good to know. What was your first really big hit um, when you're posting these these pages? Oh boy, it's hard to say um, a big hit that was first. I posted for a few months to to just my friends, and then it ended up taking off in the summer of 2020 um, after I'd posted a few hundred times. So it was not an immediate hit, but I remember one um, early post that people liked was um, something called Paris syndrome, which is the idea that people visit Paris and then they suffer these like psychosomatic effects when they're disappointed. Um, <laughs> like they think Paris is gonna be so amazing. And then 
they have this culture shock and particularly Japanese tourists are said to have um, adverse um, symptoms upon visiting Paris. I mean, I think that's just called life, maybe, you know, uh, but, uh, I so this was basically just doing the timeline. This was basically your pandemic project then. Yeah, exactly. I started it um, from the University of Michigan as a sophomore, just in the room. Wow. Just because you were you were like, well, I, I don't want to bake bread. I, you know, I'm not going to run marathons or something like what, what what drove you to do it? Well, I was spending a lot of time on Wikipedia learning random things. I suppose that a lot of people probably would have channeled all that Wikipedia energy into editing. And I did at the beginning make a few small edits here and there, but I ended up just screenshotting my favorite articles and putting them on Instagram because I was surprised no one had done it before. Yeah. But I also want to say, we know this is also a lifelong passion of yours. Um, in one of your Instagram posts, you posted a, a journal entry from when you were nine years old. Uh, I'm going to read it to you and to our listeners because it's one of the funniest things that I've ever read. Uh, this is you quoting you at nine years old. I just read a whole Wikipedia page on milk, and I want to remember it so I can be an expert on milk. I'm going to do the same thing tomorrow, but for McDonald's. Um, do you still consider yourself an expert on milk, having read that page? Not at all, but I do remember, like, clicking the hyperlink to pasteurization and learning all about that. I mean, when you, were you just this kind of kid that wanted to soak up knowledge? A lot of, you know, I have an eight-year-old, a lot of eight, nine, ten-year-olds, they, this is something that the eight-year-old brain, nine-year-old brain wants to do. You just kind of kept going with it. Yeah, I think I was a fairly, um, like, nerdy kid in the sense that I really liked um, memorizing facts. I loved to have just an arsenal of facts to deploy at any moment. Um, I read a lot of books. I um, I remember making like presentations um, in the evenings about random topics to show my parents, but I don't know. I was pretty normal, I think. Like you would sit your parents down and be like, behold my PowerPoint on the rings of Saturn. Well, yeah, I would just copy things from Wikipedia, put them on a PowerPoint. And so I was definitely plagiarizing a little bit, but I was also learning. And it's hard to get mad at a 10-year-old. I didn't really know better. We're talking about things weird and wonderful on Wikipedia with Annie Rauerta, the founder of Depths of Wikipedia, a social media sensation. We'd love to hear from you if you have the same affliction slash interest, what's your favorite obscure Wikipedia entry or what's the weirdest page that you've run into on Wikipedia? You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, KQED Forum, or you can email your questions to forum or your, your favorite pages, really, although you can have questions for any two, to forum at KQED. Uh, org. So I want to go to a cut. You also have a TikTok in which you sort of describe um, some of these entries. And there's a quite popular one uh, that I wanted to play here for our audience, Perpetual Stew. Let's listen in. There's a medieval dish called Perpetual Stew. You just never stop cooking it. So it's kind of like random community juice. And one lasted from 1400 to World War II. Savory jungle juice. For TikTok like this, how do people respond to the idea of this um, 
perpetual stew or, or this kind of strangeness. If I'm remembering right, the comments were pretty grossed out. Um, but it's a kind of funny idea. <laughs> and what do you think really makes a perfect post for Depths of Wikipedia? Like, what are you looking for? Okay, there's no formula. Sometimes it's hard to even articulate. But I mean, any humor, for the most part, comes down to subverting your expectations. So I think that a lot of the things that I think are funny fit into one of two um, categories either a really lowbrow, dumb topic that's like dressed up in encyclopedic language and cited with these academic sources, something like fart lighting, like when you set your farts on fire, like that is so stupid. And then when you see it like discussed formally, that makes me laugh. Um, the other category is the opposite, like a really um, highbrow, like lofty subject, but maybe it's discussed in a way that is a little bit funny. Um, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, but if, if you have like, yeah, I don't know, some really academic topic and there's a photo that maybe <laughs> resembles genitalia or maybe there's phrasing that kind of reminds you of a popular song, it, that makes me laugh. The idea of something formal becoming uh, less formal. Mm -hmm. Do you end up extending your sort of interest beyond Wikipedia? Or is there something about that encyclopedic format that is really, you feel like is, is perfect for your sense of humor? Um, I love Wikipedia. There are all sorts of things that I think are funny in, in general, though. Like something I think that would be funny to um, start a gimmick account about would be those suggested Google searches. Um, sometimes like you'll search something and then the automatic Google, either the, like the automatic answer or some of the suggested follow-up searches are so absurd that I, I hope that someone documents the funny ones. <laughs> we are talking about weird and wonderful things on the internet still exist. They still exist. Uh, we're talking with Annie Rauwerda, founder of Depths of Wikipedia. I want to bring in our other guest for the hour, Andrew Lee, who's a Wikipedia strategist in collaboration with GLAM, Galleries, Libraries, Archives, and Museums. He's currently working with the Smithsonian Institution and the Metropolitan Museum of Art on open access digital strategy with Wikipedia content. He's also the author of The Wikipedia Revolution and was the U.S. National Archives Citizen Archivist of the Year in 2016. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Great to be with you. Andrew, can you tell me the weirdest thing you've ever encountered on Wikipedia? Uh, there's lots of different weird things, but uh, I, you know, I joined Wikipedia um, as a volunteer writer very early on, so I actually had a hand in writing some of the weirder things in the early days. One of my favorite ones was the article on uh, crushing by elephant, which was a old execution method known in uh, Asia. So that's something that you probably didn't have a lot of encyclopedic content around, but it wound up being a very long and, and very high quality article on Wikipedia. Yeah. You know, for those who don't know, who just have a sort of vague impression that Wikipedia is something that shows up all the time in their Google searches, how does Wikipedia get put together? Yeah, that's a great question. It's um, it's part magic, but part um, using very well-known guidelines around what makes for reliable content, right? So 
Um, a lot of people probably know these from the tagline of Wikipedia. It's the free encyclopedia that anyone can edit, but not just anyone does. And that's what I like to tell folks that everyone's invited to edit, but you actually do have to adhere to certain rules about sourcing, about whether something's notable, whether you are using reliable uh, references, and whether things are verifiable. So once you add those kind of constraints to the anyone can do anything, it actually winds up be lining up pretty well in that people who are adhering to what we call the neutral point of view, trying to write something so that all sides can agree on a topic, whether it's Israel, Palestine, or whether it's uh, the earth is round. Um, as long as you cite your sources that are from reputable places, you kind of converge on some pretty good version of the truth. And in general, that's how Wikipedia works and how it's worked pretty well. I mean, it's been fascinating to watch because there's been many challenges to this over the years by the community, but it seems like people keep coming back to this set of rules and it's actually turned out to be kind of a durable institution. Yeah, absolutely. I think especially in the last five years, we've seen a lot of folks talk about misinformation and where do we go to figure out where to find some some best versions of the facts. Wikipedia has come out shining, you know, as we've seen social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter and YouTube trying to figure out how to surface reliable information to their users. Um, continually, they come back to Wikipedia. So, you know, YouTube and Facebook and all have come up with policies saying, if you post something to their platforms that is questionable, they'll also kind of link you to Wikipedia to give you some idea of, you know, whether what you're reading is true or not, which is really cool. We're talking about all things weird and wonderful about Wikipedia, like the Bob the Builder version of Mambo Number no. 5 that we're listening to into the break. We're joined by Annie Rauwerda, the founder of Depths of Wikipedia, as well as Andrew Lee, a Wikipedia strategist for galleries, libraries, archives, and museums. I'm Alexis Madrigal. This is Forum. We'd love to hear your favorite obscure Wikipedia entries. You can give us a call, 866-733-6786, or get in touch on all the social media platforms. Stay tuned for more after the break. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Tax day is coming up. We thought you might need a little procrastination, and so we are going down Wikipedia rabbit holes with Annie Rauwerda, founder of Depths of Wikipedia, as well as Andrew Lee, Wikipedia strategist currently working with Smithsonian and the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Um, Annie, when you were a kid, you liked wiki racing or Wikipedia. Tell, tell us a little bit about what that is, and then I think I'm going to try and play around with you here live. 
Absolutely. So you start on a Wikipedia article and then you click hyperlinks, those blue links within Wikipedia, and you try to navigate to a destination. And for this game to be fun, you have to choose topics that are so disparate that you're going to be really struggling to find the links between them. So maybe you start at like um, San Francisco and you try to get navigate to the page for um, list of fictional worms. <laughs> list of fiction from San Francisco to list of fictional words. I feel like you have given me an extremely difficult task, Annie. Um, I am going to try and do this talking it out loud. We've never played this game on the air before, shockingly. Um, and then uh, we'll see how I'm doing. If you've got any hints, Annie, you can uh, feel free to shout them out. I'm on wikipedia.org right now. I'm entering San Francisco. And I see a whole bunch of links. You know, I'm going to maybe click on uh, U.S. state of uh, California. Uh, maybe that was a, a bad idea. I'm thinking maybe if I go down to like ecology or flora and fauna, I might get to a <laughs> list of invertebrates uh, of California, which I just clicked on. Unfortunately, I don't know what the what class I'm going to search for worms now on here. But unfortunately, I'm only getting PDFs for native and introduced earthworms from well, selected. What do you have? A hip? You have a tip? Oh, I'm just all I'm going to say is that um, if people are listening at home and they want to play, um, this really varies in difficulty depending on how you set up the rules. So if you want it to be really hard, you could say um, no control F, no searching the page. Some people make it even harder by saying you're not allowed to use the page for the United States or Great Britain, because those often lead to a lot of pages. And then some people say you cannot press the back button. But I think for you, I'll let you do control F. Well, luckily, I didn't even have to. I went down to lists of invertebrates, right? Now I'm to, what? Uh, there are an invertebrate, right? <laughs> list of vulnerable, list of near threatened. Um, I may give up, I'm not gonna lie. Um, that actually is surprisingly fun. Is this one of the ways that you ended up encountering some of these strange pages and you would be at, for example, um, list of corals of the Solomon Islands, and then you would find something there that just struck you as, um, out of place or funny. Yeah, I really like it. I think it's fun because you're, you're scrolling so quickly that you don't read anything in depth, but it really does force you to think about categorization and like how to find a topic and how different topics fit within each other. Yeah. Andrew, when you think about Wikipedia, it, and we think about those kind of classifications uh, and the sort of library science of it, but this is sort of like this evolved taxonomy, right? I mean, I think that's the word people would use. It's not one editor coming up with this. It's, it's this community that decides these are the lists we need. These are the sort of links between things we need. Yeah, actually, you're using the vocabulary very well. So congratulations on taxonomy. Um, that is something we do use as a term. I've been the to the Wikipedia community. page, so I'm kind of an expert on it. Um. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, absolutely. The, you know, just the, the organization of the individual articles. Since most people, you know, experience Wikipedia through, you know, what we say always the side door, right? Most people don't even enter the front page or the front uh, Part of the website they enter it through searches and individual pages and then how you get from page to page or or swath to swath is all through categories and different types of groupings that we have um, and that is right now kind of you know based on what language you're reading whether it's english or french or spanish and we actually do have a new project on wikidata that's trying to think of this in a language neutral way so can we categorize 
all the knowledge we have in Wikipedia independent of language, that's really a, almost like a cosmic existential question on whether that's possible or not, but we're trying to. Yeah, you know, Annie, I've, I've thought about this looking at your work and your, your sense of humor. It strikes me that maybe you actually just love and are interested in the world <laughs> and Wikipedia just happens to be a manifestation of that. Is that, do you also love weird and wonderful things in the, in IRL or are you actually really into internet culture? Both. I like the world. I like internet culture. Um, like you said earlier, across all languages, Wikipedia has 55 million articles and in English, that's something like 6.4 million. Um, and there are so many topics in the world um, and Wikipedia covers a lot of them um, in ranging in importance from, yeah, like we talked about before the COVID-19 pandemic to list of fictional worms or the Avril Lavigne replacement conspiracy theory or uh, the law of holes. Wait, what is that? What is the Avril Lavigne replacement <laughs> conspiracy theory? <laughs> well, in... Um, there, there's this theory that Avril Lavigne died in 2003 after the release of the album Let Go and was replaced by a body double named Melissa Vandella. And I really don't think that this theory has um, is very legit, legitimate, but it's been covered in a number of sources. And so it has its own Wikipedia article. Wow. <laughs> um, this, you know, that's one of the the kind of pages where the Wikipedia neutral point of view um, is quite useful. I feel like, you know, you've got the you've got a conspiracy theory that needs to be described, um, and and it's actually helpful too. Andrew, you you mentioned, you know, the mm -hmm. coming to a neutral point of view on the roundness of the earth. Um, how do you <laughs> see how do you see Wikipedia and that neutral point of view actually being able to combat? misinformation, not by just sort of dismissing it, but by accurately describing the basis of it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think the Avril, Lever Avril Levine replacement conspiracy theory is a great example of how Wikipedia doesn't try to ignore what is being talked about in the world. It embraces it, says, okay, it's a thing. Um, people are talking about it. It's notable, but we're going to clinically deconstruct it and show you the, the work. We're going to show you our math in terms of what is true that we found and what is not true. Um, and hopefully by the time you read it, we're not gonna club you over the head with what is right or wrong, but you can conclude that there's not a lot to this theory, but it's still something people talk about. And I think that's the great balance that Wikipedia has in terms of being not only an encyclopedia with academic quote unquote content, but also popular content and anything that you might be talking with a friend over in a bar. And you know, I'm sure everyone has talked to about someone with someone in a bar about something and you look up in Wikipedia to decide whether it's true or not, which is great because before Wikipedia was around, we might've gone years not knowing about the answer to something and Wikipedia answers them in five seconds. Right, right. We're talking about Wikipedia, the weird, the wonderful, the way that it's evolved over the years with Andrew Lee, Wikipedia strategist, currently working with the Smithsonian Institution and the Metropolitan Museum of Art. He was the U.S. National Archives Citizen Archivist of the Year in 2016. We're also joined by Annie Rauwerda, founder of the incredibly popular Depths of Wikipedia, a pandemic project that turned out much better than most people's bread and, in fact, now has like more than a million followers across different social media platforms. We want to hear from you. What's your favorite obscure Wikipedia entry? What's the weirdest page that you found yourself on? 
The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can get in touch on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram or KQED Forum. Or you can email those pages to forum at kqed.org. One listener writes in with a rabbit hole. It was the Newgate Prison in London, England. Went to Daniel Defoe, author of Robinson Crusoe, to Emma Goldman, a Lithuanian-born feminist anarchist, to a page on the Haymarket Affair and a trolley driver knocking down a memorial. Another listener with a tip writes in, Chupa Chups Lollipops have the weirdest page on Wikipedia. Do you think that's true, Annie? I've never heard of this, so maybe I'll be checking it out after the show. A tip, an actual tip for Depths of Wikipedia on this page. (laughs) Let's bring uh, in our first caller, Robin from Napa Valley. Welcome, Robin. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Um, this is this is not a Wikipedia page, but it's a website. I have no idea how I found it. It's called Hat Note, H-A-T-N-O-T-E. And anytime somebody makes an edit on Wikipedia, it plays a tone. And so it just makes this random music all day long. Oh, wow. And I think that it also has like floating things on the screen. I can't remember. Yeah. I'm not in front of my computer right now. <laughs> what kind of tone are we talking, Robin? Or is it, is it like a, like a dung or like a, uh, bings? What are we talking? It, it's, it's ethereal sounding. It's bing. bing. <laughs> very it's nice. very relaxing. But it's we, not, in uh, Wikipedia. not just one tone. No, 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 no. It's like different notes. So it's They're like wind music. chimes of Wikipedia. Oh, yes. the wind chimes kind of Wikipedia. Of. <laughs> Has your guest heard of this? That's a great question, yes. Robin. A great call. Thank yeah, you. Andrew, go ahead. Tell us about it. Yeah, it's it's very well known. It's done by some really great Wikipedia editors. And basically, every time an edit is made or an article is created, um, it makes a different chime on your screen, and it's really peaceful. And actually, Annie has a great story about how she actually met the folks who made this, right? Yeah, I was going to say, this is made by um, Stephen Laporte, who's a lawyer at Wikipedia, and Mahmoud Hashemi, who works, he doesn't work at Wikipedia, but he's an editor. And I actually met um, one of them, and we went and we rode roller coasters together, and we talked all about (laughs) his software engineering and about Wikipedia, and it was really fun. So thank you so much for shouting this out. I think this website is awesome. I'm watching it right now, and some of the edits coming in are like, World War II, judges of the Maryland Court of Appeals, a bunch of names of people I don't know, um, a basketball player, list of birds, <laughs> um, Barbie, the film. It's just, it's fun to watch. So thank you. Do you ever um, pull anything from the depths, like just when you happen to be watching and then you see something come up like that, like the Barbie entry and you end up there? I personally have not uh, done that, but I do like watching this Um if I feel upset about anything on the internet, sometimes seeing misinformation, um, feeling a little helpless, I do feel encouraged watching this and knowing that a lot of these pe- people that are making these edits are doing it in good faith to you know, expand the sum of human knowledge and you get to hear these wind chimes. So it's a nice uh, digital resting place. <laughs> you know, Annie, I did want to keep going into this topic a little further on many people, you know, of my generation, you know, it's like I'm a elder millennial, geriatric millennial, I think is what we're called. Uh, 
We had a lot of the same enthusiasm for the early internet, which I feel like you have now, like you have maintained. Do you worry that as you see, as you spend more time on the internet, you see its kind of darker sides, that you won't be able to maintain the kind of joy that you find in the weird and wonderful side of it? That's kind of existential. Wow. Um, I mean, maybe. There's definitely horrible pockets of the internet, but there's so many wonderful ones too. So I'm I'm fairly optimistic in general. So I'm not super worried. <laughs> that that was uh that was apparently a bad edit on hatnote.com right there. Um one of the things that seems to keep people coming back to Wikipedia is the community of, of Wikipedia editors. Andrew, I wanted to ask you about it because there have been questions about it over time. In particular, is it representative of the the world of any of you know the US of of any given sort of uh, grouping of, of people tends to be more male than other places and, and uh, other things like that. How has that evolved over time? Yeah, that's a great question. Unfortunately, Wikipedia has, uh, you know, a, a pretty significant gender imbalance. So even in the most optimistic of studies, and it's sometimes hard to study, right, because you can edit Wikipedia completely anonymously, but every uh, set of studies adds more to our body of knowledge. But it really, it's only about 15 20% of the editors identify as, as women or female. So that's really not a great state of affairs. We're trying to look at an encyclopedia. It's trying to be representative of you know human knowledge in general. There have been some efforts to try to rebalance that uh, with more recruitment um, among editors that, uh, that that try to get that gender balance better. But I think we've had some success in recent years in at least getting more women biographies into Wikipedia, and that number is starting to climb. But it's still a big imbalance there. Um, but it's a it's a known problem that hopefully we're we're doing more to solve. Andy, two things: Do you feel that imbalance when you're either editing or or looking at these entries? And two, have you thought of using depths of Wikipedia to try and get more people editing? Given that it's it's such a, a wildly popular site. Um. Perhaps I see it a little bit in um, like talk page discussions. Sometimes there are examples of uh, like well-known female um, scientists that don't have articles, but probably should. Like um, an example is Katie Bauman who discovered the, or who created that photo of the black hole that's um, mm. it made the rounds on the internet. I remember her page was nominated for deletion and a lot of people were like, what is this? Um, and then there's some discussion of like maybe topic biases, like the way fashion is discussed, um, things like that. But I mean, in general, I've never been actively discriminated against on Wikipedia, although I don't really talk about um, being a female. Um, in terms of outreach, though, that's a good question. I um, have done one edit-a-thon and it was a pretty good success. It was totally online. Um, but I had a lot of fun and I had a few hundred people come and a lot of them were brand new to editing. And I have one coming up that I'm still figuring out the details, but I'm going to be working with um, the Smithsonian specifically with Andrew, which is exciting. And um, mm -hmm. I'm hoping that'll happen later this year. And what are you going to try and edit? What, is there a focus area? The focus area is going to be American women. 
That's so cool. that's yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, um, <laughs> people in DC will show up and edit Wikipedia. I'm excited. You know, when I was in school, I think probably many students uh, have heard this still. Uh, Wikipedia was like the one thing you couldn't cite, it seemed like. Andrew, have you seen that begin to change or is it still considered uh, uh, verboten to cite Wikipedia? So I, I have the ultimate answer for this. And I always tell folks, although the, the mythology around, oh, college professors hate Wikipedia or college professors won't allow you to do X. And I love this answer that I had from a friend who worked at the Library of Congress. So a real professional librarian said, you should not cite Wikipedia, not because it's Wikipedia, but because it's an encyclopedia. So I don't know, Alexis, whether you're old enough to remember World Book and Britannica as uh -huh. being the encyclopedias of our era, but we were never allowed to cite Britannica or World Book or Encarta, if you remember that at the time. Mm -hmm. Similarly, you shouldn't cite Wikipedia. Encarta on CD-ROM, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly, on CD-ROM or DVD-ROMs, exactly. So I think that's the best answer is, definitely use Wikipedia, use it up the wazoo. We have curators at the Smithsonian who love it and find all kinds of great things, but don't cite it because you just shouldn't be citing a general encyclopedia in general. You should go back to the original sources for the citation. Yes, uh, one of our listeners, Bill, writes in, I've tried to cite Wikipedia in scholarly articles, but editors have rejected such citations as not being rigorously <laughs> scholarly enough. To get around this, I've learned to use a Wikipedia article's own citations directly, which makes yes. uh, a, a lot of sense and I think is the proper way of doing things. We're talking all things weird and wonderful about Wikipedia with Annie Rawerda, founder of The Depths of Wikipedia, as well as Andrew Lee, Wikipedia strategist currently working with the Smithsonian Institution and the Metropolitan Museum of Art, author of The Wikipedia Revolution. We'd love to hear from you. What's your favorite obscure Wikipedia entry? You can give us a call and describe it. The number is 866-733-6786. Also, what's something you don't like about Wikipedia? Feel free to call us and, and tell us that. The number is 866-733-6786. You can get in touch, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or KQED Forum, or you can email your questions, comments, things you love and hate about Wikipedia to forum at kqed.org. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more after the break. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the weird and the wonderful and the Wikipedia with Annie Rawerda, founder of Depths of Wikipedia, and Andrew Lee, a Wikipedia strategist currently working with the Smithsonian Institution and the Metropolitan Museum of Art. 
Annie, wanted to play what I believe is your most popular uh, piece of content, a TikTok about Barney, in a sense. Let's, uh, let's play it, and then you're going to describe what's going on in here. So if you went to elementary school in the 2000s, you might have had the same experience where you would run around your elementary school playground singing just exceptionally dark and disturbing things about Barney. Like, I love you, you love me, let's get together and kill Barney with a baseball bat and a bullet to the head. Sorry, kids, but Barney's dead. Also, joy to the world, Barney's dead, we barbecued his head. Don't worry about the body, we flushed it down the potty, round and round it goes. Anyway, it's enough of a thing that there's a Wikipedia article about it and a lot of in-depth analysis. So this... This is like one of these fascinating things where this I, I dimly recall this <laughs> of these these uh, Barney rhymes. You wouldn't ever find something like this in a, a regular encyclopedia, but it's sort of been captured as a as a cultural phenomenon that then 10 million people wanted to watch because clearly it was something that was that was widely shared. How do you think about that? You know, growing up with. Wikipedia, which can capture just these these pieces of our culture that otherwise would just go away or be forgotten. Yeah, I was really surprised that that got so much traction because I made it in five minutes. I, I'd gotten ready to hang out with a friend and I was a little early, so I made it a TikTok to kill time. And it got m- millions of views within just the night. And it was really crazy to see. But yeah, I do think the topic is very funny. There's when you look at the article, there's almost 50 sources that discuss um, anti-Barney humor, as it's called. There's a book by a University of Chicago professor that's called The Last Dinosaur Book, The Life and Times of a Cultural Icon. Um, and it talks a lot about how Barney has become this target for parody. And the age that people make these jokes is pretty consistently around seven and eight years old, the age where you're trying to prove that you're more mature than those little kids, maybe your little brother and sister that are watching Barney. And so kids will say these incredibly dark and disturbing rhymes about the purple dinosaur. Oh, man. How do you, you know, when you think about the response that depths of Wikipedia is getting, I mean, do you, why do people love it, you think? Wikipedia is pretty universal. And so even when you just show the, you know, the serif font title and the like sans serif uh, article body, people can recognize that as Wikipedia. Um, And so that, that helps a lot, but I do think people really like fun facts. People like it when um, a source that's usually fairly formal is a little bit irreverent. Um, and I, I, I actually just don't know. I, I didn't ever expect this to be as popular as it is. I mean, do you think it's just a, a love of knowledge for knowledge's sake? You know, just like the love of learning. It's not something that people that's people get to celebrate that often. Like, I think life is a little bit better when you know certain things, even if it's trivial, even if it'll never help you in life. Like, if it just makes you smile, that's good. Um, one example is the buttered cat paradox, which is a joke based on these two uh, sayings. Cats always land on their feet and buttered toast always lands buttered side down. So what would happen if you put some buttered toast <laughs> on the back of a cat? 
would the cat land like on its feet or would the toast land buttered side down? Well, there's a Wikipedia article all about it. (laughs) Um, That that won't help you in life, but I don't know. I think it makes, it makes me smile and it makes my life a tiny bit better. What is one of your go-to facts about the world that you, you bring out and people go like, man, I did not know that. That's so interesting. Oh boy. There are so, so many. It's, it's hard to even um, come up with them, but one is that there is this uh, inside joke in Silicon Valley called the Dave rule. And the idea is that, well, this is, you know, going to point to the, the idea that the gender representation is not great in tech, but it's the idea that if a work team includes as many women as it does people named Dave, it has achieved acceptable gender balance. Oh no. <laughs> I mean, too real actually there. Um, we have a, a caller want to go to uh, Jennifer in Berkeley. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Hey, so I used to work for uh, Wired Magazine in uh, from 94 to 96. And we did the first ever um, web reviews, uh, reviews of websites. And there were so few websites that you could actually review websites. And that's where Wikipedia sort of started was like, like, okay, we're going to catalog the web. Um, and, I mean, I can't speak what Jimmy uh, wanted to do, but... Jimmy Wales, that um, is. Oh, Jimmy Wales. But um, one of my first web reviews was for CNET, and it was for the Jihad to Kill Barney on the World Wide Web. Oh and this gosh. was like an early website. I'm talking 94. They were talking about this. So the whole, like, when you started talking about Barney, I was like, I wrote a review of the first website about killing Barney. Yeah. There you go. Jennifer, do you do you find, you know, I mean, that era of Wired, that era of the Internet, 94 to, to 96, I mean, this is kind of peak, peak utopian Internet. Do you find that that spirit went on into Wikipedia or do you find it somewhere else on the Internet or do you think it's just gone altogether? You can see it. Um, when the Wikipedia editors editored, uh, edited the um, the the ship sinking of the Moscow the day before yesterday, like Wikipedia editors went in and they're like current status on fire. So like it gets edited out really fast, but you can catch some really funny things that come out of Wikipedia just for a split second while the editors are having fun. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It isn't that part of it, like the sense of the internet as a communal project rather than a set of companies is, I I do think that is a part of it that's still um, the part of my heart that beats for 1995 Wired. It beats for that part of that aspect of Wikipedia well uh, as well. Um, Thank you so much. You can see see my first article in the 1995 Wired with Brian Eno on the cover. I wrote an article about LSD blotter art. There you go. That Amazing. was early, yes. early wired. <laughs> yes. Cyber, cyber culture meets psychedelic culture. Uh, thank you so much, Jennifer. Really uh, appreciate that. Um, Annie, you know, this is this is something I think you have gotten at in, in some of your, you know, the talking that you've done about Wikipedia is that you didn't get to experience that 
mid-90s internet. And this is kind of your version of it. Yeah, I think that's what it feels like. It's it's nice to look at talk pages on articles and see all these people from around the world. Some are probably preteens who are too young to get a job at the grocery store. Others are retirees. One user just turned 90 and so everyone was wishing happy birthday. And it's nice to see people come together from all over and create something that's larger than, than themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, some listeners writing in with some other comments. Kim tweets, I love Wikipedia because it's reliable, ad-free, community-based, a nonprofit. Um, also things that, that most people love about it. Thank you for that, uh, Kim. And Daniel also writes, when Wikipedia asks for a donation, give them some money. We all use it. And what's $5 to help them maintain an essential site we all use? You know, Andrew, I wanted to ask you uh, about this. As someone who has been kind of deeply in- involved here, you know, Google and also Microsoft, through being to a lesser extent, they depend so deeply on Wikipedia for providing solid information for searches, particularly as so much of the rest of the web has kind of atrophied or gone behind uh, paywalls. How do you see the relationship between this free, non-commercial, non-profit and these large companies that rely so extensively on it? Yeah, that's a great question. The you know, Wikipedia is being used not only in Google search engine results that are highly visible when you do a web search, but just think about all the voice assistants now, right? If you ask Alexa or Google, and I hope I'm not triggering any of them right now, um, when you ask them, it's almost always, according to Wikipedia, right? They're using that information so many different ways now in AI, in machine learning, um, in training systems and question and answer systems. So it is really fascinating. There actually is a new kind of phase where the Wikimedia Foundation, which is actually based in San Francisco and helps oversee the whole projects that are happening, including Wikipedia, are actually reaching out to these commercial companies to have a relationship, something they're calling kind of this enterprise Wikipedia relationship so that um, these companies, rather than just, you know, copying the free content can actually pay for a more reliable feed of the content and even kind of feedback new things to Wikipedia in a way that the community can decide whether to ingest or not. So that's really interesting uh, that we're, we're seeing this kind of symbiotic relationship now developing between the free resource as Wikipedia and all these companies that are using it in, in brand new ways. Well, it does feel like it's just, it's structuring so much information about the world that right. whatever future artificial intelligences exist will have <laughs> been highly dependent on uh, the editors of the entry for fart lightning or, or whatever it is. Um, <laughs> st- uh, and I wanted to uh, see if you could top this particular uh, bit of trivia. Stav writes in, my favorite thing I learned on Wikipedia, the J.W. Westcott 2 operates the only floating zip code in the United States, basically a tugboat delivering the mail to sailors on the Great Lakes. Do you have a piece of mail, Great Lakes, or zip code related trivia that you think could top that? Oh my goodness. This is hard. Um, I don't know off the top of my head the name, but those those mail trucks that are kind of squares, they're all the same model and it's been consistent for decades. But I don't know the name off the top of my head, so I think that our our caller wins. I don't have a great, I don't have a great fact to top that. Um, Maggie writes in my favorite feature about Wikipedia, which I'm sure most people don't know about, is that it is 
the most accurate translator. I am French, and when I need to know the accurate translation of a word, I pull up the article in Wikipedia, then click the language icon and see if the corresponding article in the language I want exists, and then I am sure I have the correct translation. Andrew, that's something that um, has been something that Wikipedia has worked on, or is that more of a community-based effort because there are so many people who are so have such attention to detail that those translations are very good? Yeah, there's a massive number of folks working on cross-translation of Wikipedia articles that is almost invisible to the public unless you are a, a polyglot and you continually move across languages. So that is a great observation from the uh, from the caller because that's that's something that is so undercovered, uh, but is highly useful in and especially for the AI machine learning we we're just talking about in trying to figure out how um, not only concepts map across, but also how culturally whether certain concepts fit across, which is really fascinating on its own. So we actually do have a gigantic team of folks who do nothing but translate across different languages. Greg writes in to say, I was looking up the word ether and ether, like A-E-T-H-E-R, and ended up at a spiritual organization that I actually ended up looking into and joining. Annie, would you recommend that? Recommend joining a spiritual organization. <laughs> that you found via Wikipedia? Um, well, maybe. I think that people should look up Buddhism. It has a Wikipedia article, and it's an entire religion that's based on the dude from The Big Lebowski. Um, oh, that. I... Dudeism, not Buddhism. Oh, no, Buddhism. Buddhism's great, too, but I think more people know that. That's not really depth. Right, right. That's true. That's a good point. Um, another listener wants to know, how are you two at trivia, Andrew? Uh, well, the funny thing is, as an aside, Annie and I created a trivia quiz for the Wikipedia community. We thought we we're being very clever and we actually made it way too hard. So I think we're pretty good at trivia in general. Yeah, I'm pretty good. Most of my friends tell me I'm pretty good, but I watch Jeopardy quite a bit and Often things are on the tip of my tongue. Like if you had trivia, but you were allowed to Google the answers, I would be able to Google <laughs> it. You would be know. faster. Yeah, you would be faster. Obviously than... anyone is better when they have Google, but I don't have I don't have great recall. And I think that when you see someone like Amy Schneider, who's tearing up Jeopardy, people like that have amazing recall, which isn't my strong suit. Yes. Um, Annie, we need you to give us at least one more fun fact that people can take with them into their weekend. Oh, I was hoping you would ask that because I hadn't talked about Timothy Dexter yet and I've been dying to. So Timothy Dexter is an American businessman who lived from 1747 to 1806. Um, he dropped out of school when he was eight years old and he lived in Massachusetts and he married a rich widow, and together they bought a mansion. At the end of the American Revolutionary War, I'm reading off of Wikipedia, he bought large <laughs> amounts of depreciated continental currency that was worthless at the time. Why did he do this? Nobody knows. Everyone was laughing at him. However, at the war's end, the U.S. government made good on its notes at 1% of face value, and Massachusetts, which is where he lived, paid the notes at par. So he made a ton of money. He built two ships and he um, then decided to start a business 
sending bed warmers used to heat beds to the West Indies, which is the tropics. Why did he do this? Nobody knows. Everyone was laughing at him. Um, but then, um, and apparently people are saying, I mean, I'm Wikipedia saying it was a deliberate ploy by rivals to bankrupt him. Um, so anyway, his ship's, his ship's captain sold the bed warmers as ladles to the local molasses industry and made a ton of profit. Okay, great. So he's making even more money. Then he sent wool mittens to the same place. Why would he do this? I don't know. It's the tropics. But then Asian mer merchants got them and exported them to Siberia. He once again made a ton of profit. Um, I'm trying to think of, he, he exported Bibles to the East Indies and stray cats to the Caribbean islands. All these like business ventures that seem a little bit random. And um, the East Indies doesn't have a big demand or didn't have a big demand for Bibles at the time, but there were missionaries there that were in need of Bibles. And so he ended up once again, making a big profit. By the end of his life, he wrote a book called A Pickle for the Knowing Ones, where he complained about politicians, the clergy, and his wife. It was, um, it was, it was a whole book, but it had no punctuation at all. And when people complained, um, he decided to make a second edition and he had an extra page of just punctuation, all punctuation, all in a row. <laughs> and he said, they may pepper and salt it as they please. Um, so I think this guy would be amazing if he had a Twitter these days. That's uh, definitely. Unfortunately, he has passed away. And I hope you uh, visit the Wikipedia page for Timothy Dexter. Timothy to learn Dexter. more about this odd American hero. That is amazing. Thank you so much, Annie Rawerda and Andrew Lee, a Wikipedia strategist, Annie, founder of Depths of Wikipedia. Forum is produced by Ariana Prail, Blanca Torres, Susan Britton, Dan Zoll, Grace Wan, Caroline Smith, and Cesar Saldana. Judy Campbell's lead producer for the 9 o'clock hour. Our engineers are Danny Bringer, Katie McMurrin, Brendan Willard, and Chris Hopp. Our interns are Jennifer Ng and Paul C. Kelly Campos. Our senior producer, Susan Davis. Executive editor is Ethan Tobin Lindsay, and our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. This end music is the most unwanted music. Look up that Wikipedia entry. Stay tuned for another hour ahead with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Hi, I'm Tyler Foggett. Join me and my colleagues as we go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on the political scene. 
a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, the political scene accesses the sharpest minds in politics for insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. Make sure you're following the political scene. Available now wherever you get your podcasts.